0: welcome to the teaching ministry of the cause church we pray you will be encouraged challenged and blessed as you listen to the word of god we're in a series called great relationships god's way and life is all about relationships it's about first and foremost our relationship with the lord and it's about our relationships with other people last week i preached a message on how to press on when you're in pain and One of the types of pain that we all face is relational pain. Because the people who will hurt you the most in life are the ones that you've loved the most and trusted the most and helped the most. And so the title of my message today is Forgiveness Makes the Difference. Forgiveness makes the difference. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, we're gonna read through a passage, and I'm gonna point out some truths as we read through it together. I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation from my notes. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For those of you that have young kids or maybe teenagers and you have to help them with their homework, how many of you know it is the job of one of the parents to help with the math homework? If you're the parent or you know your kids are grown now but you were the parent who helped with the math homework, come on, raise your hand. God bless all of you. That's me and my family, right? <laughs> uh, in fact, on Thursday, I spent an hour helping Neve with three basic algebra problems because I, I was trying to remember how to do algebra. By the way, if you don't believe that the devil is real, that is simply because you've never helped your kids with common core math homework. That'll change your theology real quick. Peter tries to def, to, find, to uh, define forgiveness with a math, mathematical equation. And he suggests, how often, Lord, do I need to, we need to forgive somebody? Seven times? <laughs> I don't know why he suggested seven. Maybe because he was trying to impress Jesus and sound spiritual and holy because seven was the number of completion. Maybe it was because Peter's brother, Andrew, you just saw my brother, Josh, Peter's brother, Andrew, had irritated him and he'd forgiven him seven times and he wasn't about ready to forgive him another time. I don't know. But Jesus's response changes his whole mind. In fact, you know, it's funny how some of us are terrible at math, and we don't remember how to do even basic math problems, but probably all of us are incredible when it comes to how to keep count of people who have hurt us. And we can remember with precise detail things that happened a long, long, long time ago. Do you remember 14 years ago on March 23rd at 2.32 p.m. in the Lucille's barbecue parking lot when you said this to me? It's like, how do you remember that? (laughs) Peter was basically asking Jesus, Jesus, are there boundaries to forgiving somebody else? Are there limits to how often we need to forgive? At some point, Jesus, they probably really don't deserve forgiveness, right? They've used all of it up, right, Jesus? And Jesus responds by saying, you got it totally wrong. In fact, for those of you that are good at math, you've already calculated this, seven times 70, 490 times. Jesus, of course, was not giving a specific number. His point was that he was giving an entirely new math formula on forgiveness. And he was saying that forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. Because no matter how often or how deep someone else hurts you, you must forgive them. You must never stop forgiving others. If you're gonna have great relationships God's way, church, we must learn to forgive. Because in any relationship, there will be hurt and there will be pain. Sometimes it's purposeful. Sometimes it's just accidental. Jenny and I, two weeks ago, we taught on marriage, and we kind of touched on this. We said that marriage is a union of two great forgivers. In fact, husbands, I want to help you with something right now. F- free marriage advice. You need to put this phrase in your in your pocket, all right? And bring it out whenever is necessary, which is probably often. (laughs) And here it is. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Listen, you can use that phrase when you don't even know what you did. You don't even have to know what you did. Just say it and mean it. In fact, men, try it right now. Repeat after me. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Yeah, some of you couldn't even say that. That's why you're having marital problems. (laughs) It's hard for guys to say those words. Unforgiveness keeps score. Unforgiveness refuses to let go. Unforgiveness holds on to hurt. Some of us have unforgiveness. This is not a joke. We have unforgiveness towards people from things that they've said to us on social media the past two years about politics, or about masks, or vaccinations, or you can just choose any number of things. Some of you have have lost friendships, and you've severed family relationships over social media, and you still haven't forgiven that person. (laughs) That's truth right there, it is. Some of us have unforgiveness towards people who have already died, and we still haven't forgiven them in our heart. Some of us have unforgiveness towards a pastor or a church that has hurt us. I hope it's not me and I hope it's not this church. But I talked to a lot of people and they've listen, unforgiveness does not go away, it grows. And it produces bitterness and anger and it eats you alive. And not only does it affect you relationally, but it affects you spiritually. It affects you emotionally, it affects you mentally, it can even affect you financially, physically, it can affect your body, it can affect you in every way. Joyce Meyer says, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping your enemy will die. Because it's, it is a poison to our heart. You can either fester unforgiveness or you can foster healing, the choice is yours. Let's go back to Matthew 18, Jesus answers Peter and then he goes on to tell this story or a parable to illustrate the power of forgiveness. The king in this story represents Jesus, the servants represent you and me. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in, listen to this, who owed him millions of dollars. (laughs) That's a lot of money. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. That's how they would handle things back then. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, New King James says he was moved with compassion. His master was filled with pity and he released him. Say released. Come on, say it again. Say released. He released him and forgave his debt. Say debt. Men and women, you and I owe a a debt of sin that we can never repay. This is what Jesus is talking about right here. There is a debt of sin that every single person on this planet, including myself, including you, we could never, ever repay it. You can't be a good enough person. You can't come to church enough. You can't serve enough. You can't give enough in tithes and offerings. No matter what you do, you can never repay it. There is only one way that this debt of sin could be repaid, and it was with the precious, holy, sinless perfect blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God who's taken away the sin of the whole world. (laughs) Ephesians chapter one says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. He paid a price to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Ephesians 1, 7 says, he, referring to God, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Listen, tell the person next to you, say, forgiveness makes a difference. Come on, tell somebody. Tell them, forgiveness makes a difference. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Forgiveness makes a difference. So what does the servant do? How does the servant respond to the king's forgiveness? Verse 28, but when the man, listen to this. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He had just been forgiven millions He immediately goes to a fellow servant, owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded, which is, by the way, is exactly what this guy had just said to the king. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Tell the person next to you, say, that's called unforgiveness. Come on, tell them, tell somebody. That's called unforgiveness. And watch how the king responds. By the way, men and women, if you read the Bible at all, and especially the gospels, there ought to be things that you read in scripture that terrify you, that, that instill a, the, literally the fear of God in you. If not, you're not reading the Bible very closely. There are things that Jesus says, this is one of them that think literally cause, should cause us to fall, and he's say, "My God, do a work in me." Listen to this. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, "You evil servant!" I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. By the way, that is a phrase that Jesus uses often when he's telling parables that is representative of hell, a place of eternal torment. That's exactly what he's referring to right there. And then verse 35, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If you don't release forgiveness, you can't receive forgiveness. If if you refuse to release forgiveness to others, men and women, you will not receive forgiveness from God. When Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, his disciples come and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus teaches them to pray the Lord's Prayer. We, We taught about this a few months ago. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and for, and then what does he say? And forgive us our what? Our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. And, and then listen to what Jesus says in the next verses, verse 14, right after he teaches on prayer, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Church, God commands us to forgive others. If you are a son or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're saved, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you, forgiveness is not an option. It is a commandment. You have to forgive. You must forgive or you, you won't be forgiven. You might, I know what some of you are thinking, you're thinking, they don't deserve forgiveness. (laughs) That person cut me off in the parking lot, took my parking spot at Northgate when I was going to buy Pondulce, and they even had a Raiders sticker on their car. They don't deserve forgiveness. <laughs> Listen, you're, you might be right, but you don't deserve forgiveness, and I don't deserve forgiveness either, and God forgives us. My dad used to say, he, said, he used to say all the time, holding on to a fence is a waste of time. Life is too short. I sometimes think about the hours, the days that I wasted in my marriage because I was mad at Jenny over something that I couldn't even remember what she did. And it was probably my fault anyways. Holding on offense is a waste of time. You might think, John, you have no idea. You have no idea what's been done to me, what I've went through. I can't forgive them. That's not even possible. You're right, I don't know. And I don't need to know unless you wanna share with me, but God knows. He understands. And listen, in your own strength, in the natural, in your own power, it is impossible. But Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Church, that includes forgiveness. In fact, often, I would say, often true forgiveness is impossible without God, on your own. I I wanna say one other thing, because I think this is really important. Sometimes, especially Christians think that, that, Uh, you just have to be a doormat in life and let people walk all over you and take advantage of you and abuse you, and then you just forgive them. The Bible says nothing of that, by the way. And, And anybody who says that or thinks that, you're not interpreting Scripture correctly. The Bible does not teach that. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness and trust are two entirely different things. Forgiveness is instant, Rick Warren says, but trust must be earned. Let me say it differently. Forgiveness is by grace and love. It requires grace and love. Trust requires works. (laughs) Let me give you an example. If Listen, if there's a, in a marriage, if the husband is an alcoholic and becomes abusive in any way towards his wife or towards his children, the wife ought to kick him out of the house immediately he might come back a, a couple hours later a couple days later a couple weeks later he might be in tears he might sincerely apologize he might ask for forgiveness the wife ought to forgive him immediately when he asks she ought to forgive him immediately but she doesn't have to trust him she shouldn't let him back in the house and say you're not coming back in this house until you go and get some help this is this is not acceptable you ought not to stay in an abusive relationship like that so Listen, forgiveness and trust, are two different things. I wanna talk to you, I wanna give you six steps quickly on how to forgive others, six steps on how to forgive others. Number one is this, remember how much God has forgiven you. We just talked about that. You just remember how much you've been forgiven. Your millions of dollars of debt have been paid by Jesus. Micah 719 says that God takes our sins and throws them to the depths of the ocean. Number two is this, recognize no one is perfect. Recognize no one is perfect, including you. All of us are imperfect. Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Recognize no one is perfect. Number three is relinquish your right to get even. Relinquish your right to get even. This is hard, especially for certain personalities like myself. Because if somebody punches you, you're gonna knock them out. You're gonna, you're gonna punch them harder. But listen, if you're gonna forgive somebody, you have to relinquish your right to get even. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, never, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Other translations say, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. For God has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Men and women, God is the judge. Let him take care of the other person. It's not your job. Refuse to retaliate and let God deal with them. Number four, and this is the big one because this is, this is literally the heart of forgiveness. Number four, release the other person in your heart to God. Release the other person in your heart to God. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31, 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If when you see somebody or you talk about them or you think about them, if in your heart you feel rage and anger and bitterness and evil thoughts or say harsh words, (laughs) chances are you probably have not forgiven them yet. You haven't really released them in your heart to the Lord. And the only way that I know how to release somebody in your heart to the Lord is through prayer. It's through prayer. It's through taking them to the Lord and by praying for them by name and asking God to help you forgive them. When Jenny and I were, were dating, I remember driving her one time to go visit one of her relatives, and when we got there, a man stepped out, and Jenny, her whole countenance and demeanor completely and immediately changed. She started crying, and she said, "She said I hate that man." And she she told me later, this when when Jenny was a young girl, this man had uh, had abused her and mistreated her, uh, mistreated her. And Jenny began to pray for him after that point. She began to pray for him. And a couple years later, when she went to see him again, she said, John, when I saw him, said I saw him completely different. She said, it was like I saw him how God sees him as a broken, confused man in desperate need of Jesus. She, she just reminded me of this before the service. She said, I went up to him and I looked him in the eye and I said, I forgive you for what you did to me. And she said, he broke down and began to weep. Men and women, that is only possible with the love and power of Jesus. Why, because only God can change your heart. Nothing and nobody else, only Jesus can do that. And the deeper the pain, the more of Jesus' love you need to fill your heart. Corrie ten Boom, who was a Dutch Christian during World World War II, her and her family, one of these brave and courageous families that were hiding Jews in, in, Holland, uh, as the Nazis occupied Holland, they were hiding Jews, saving lives. And finally they were, eventually they were found out and Corey and her sister Betsy and her father were all put in concentration camps. Her father died in a concentration camp. Her sister Betsy died in a concentration camp. She survived. She talked a lot about forgiveness and this is one of the things she said. She says, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. Incredible. That's somebody who understood the power of forgiveness. The fourth step, or I'm sorry, the fifth step, if you're gonna forgive someone who's hurt you, number five is respond to evil with good. Respond to evil with good. You can't do that on your own. You need Jesus to help you. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You think, oh, what what does that mean? If in your heart you can bless them and say, God, I I sincerely pray that you would bless them. Jesus, bless them. Lord, I I want you to do good things in their life. I want them to know you. I want them to go to heaven. Then you've repaid evil with good. Number six is this, here's the last point. Number six, refocus refocus on God's plan for your life. Refocus on God's plan for your life. As long as you focus on the hurt and the pain and the trauma and the unforgiveness and the offense and the offender, as long as you focus on those things, those things will control you. Because whatever you focus on in your life, it is magnified and intensified. Stop focusing on the offender and the offense and start focusing on the healer. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. Focus on God's love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace and his kindness in your life, men and women. Focus on the fact that he has a good plan for you, that no person can thwart or stop. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Focus on God's plan for your life. Joseph in the book of Genesis, you can read about it. Joseph's own brothers, his own brothers threw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him. One of them spoke up and said, don't do that. I got a better idea. Let's sell him into human trafficking. <laughs> so they, they literally did that. He was a slave for many years, but he honored God and God elevated him, promoted him the second a place of power in Egypt, and he chose to forgive his brothers. You know why Joseph lived a blessed life? Because he didn't live a bitter life. And he said at the end of his life this, he chose to forgive, Genesis fifty twenty. he's talking to his brothers, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. In fact, God used Joseph literally to to deliver millions of people from dying in Egypt. There is no hurt, there's no pain, there's no offense that is greater than God's plan for your life. No matter what anybody has ever done to you, God is with you and he is for you and he will help you move forward in your life if you choose to forgive. Forgiveness makes a difference. Somebody say amen. 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 I wanna close by reading. This is a little bit of a lengthy story. I'll read it quickly, but it's, it's just so powerful. This is written by Corey Tinboom. Boom. These are her own words. She says, she's writing about an experience in her life. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was a truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I I like to think that's where forgiveness or forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite, quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence and silence collected their wraps and silence left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. Came back with a rush, the, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. And now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulin, which is German for miss. How good, how good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Frau Lin. again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. Now listen to what she says here. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Would you stand your feet with me and just close your eyes? Many of us are here today or maybe we're watching online and the Lord spoke to our hearts and we know there's a person or maybe some people that we need to forgive. I wanna lead you in a prayer of forgiveness right now. In fact, if you want, you can even just put your hands on your heart. And if, I wanna invite you to, to, all of you, all of us to repeat after me a phrase at a time, a prayer of forgiveness. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my debts all my sin, I confess my unforgiveness to you. I confess all of my sinful thoughts, feelings, words, and actions towards those whom I have not forgiven. And right now I choose to forgive. I want you right now in your heart or out loud, if you want to, you don't need to be loud, but I want you to say the names of, those, of that person or those people, say it right now, present them to the Lord right now. And repeat after me, say, I release them in my heart to you. Break all the chains of bitterness and anger and hatred that I have towards them and set me free to live the abundant life that you have for me, to walk in your peace, to walk in your joy. Heal me from the hurt they've caused and fill my heart with your love towards them. I bless them right now in the name of Jesus. I choose to forgive them, amen. Keep your eyes closed and just spend one more moment for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for how much you've forgiven us. Help us to be men and women that forgive. Fill us with your love in Jesus' name can stay standing. You can open up your eyes if you want, but maybe you're here today and you're not in relationship with God. You've never made that decision before. <laughs> it's, a, it's the best and most important decision you could ever make. I talked about it a little bit. God loves you so much. He, he loves you more than, than I can describe, more than you can imagine. The, the greatest of human love does not even come close to comparing to how much he loves you. And that's why he sent his son, the sinless son of God, To take away the sin of the world, to go to the cross, to pay the price for your sin and my sin, to pay your debt, your brokenness, your pain, your shame, your mistakes, your failures, your sin. Jesus took all of that on the cross. He defeated it at the cross. He defeated sin. He defeated death at the cross because three days later he rose from the dead and he offers abundant and eternal life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've never made a decision before to surrender your life to him, to open up your heart and say, Jesus, be my Lord, that means that you wanna live for him, be my savior, the one who has forgiven you of all your sins. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Maybe you're here watching online and you prayed a prayer, you've walked away from the Lord, you're backslidden, you need to come back to him. Come back to him, his arms are open. My dad used to always say that God isn't mad at you, but he is mad about you. And he's waiting for you to come back and to pour his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy on you. I wanna give you that opportunity right now, men and women, you can close your eyes once more. If you're here today, you say, John, I wanna make that decision for the first time, or I wanna come back to the Lord in relationship with him. Wow. And men and women, Heaven and hell are real places. And this affects not just the rest of your life, but your eternity, because you were made to spend eternity with God in heaven, not eternally separated from him in hell. On the count of three, say, John, I'm making that decision. I wanna see you and agree with you. I won't embarrass you, but I wanna lead you in a prayer of salvation and confession. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold your hand, hold it up high, hold it up high. Lots of hands going up, I see you the whole family right here wow all of you guys that's awesome I see you friend open up your eyes and look at me I want I want you to I want you to see me I see you I see you guys one two three four five six hold your hand up until I I see you somebody over there seven in the back praise God I see you back there anybody else wave at me if I haven't seen you there's a hand there's a hand somewhere in the back yeah I see you right there that's nine Somebody over there, 10 people, anybody else this morning? 11 in the back sitting down, praise God, That's incredible. Listen, Romans chapter 10 verse nine says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the first step of faith that you'll take for the rest of your life. It's the most important one, but everything changes in this moment. A 30 second prayer changes your life. I want to lead us in a prayer of salvation, confession, supportive. I think there's eleven hands that I, that I counted. Let's all pray this prayer out loud again this morning. Repeat after me, a phrase at a time. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make me a new person. Set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I wanna live my life for you. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate that this morning, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.